Welcome to Transform Now, the podcast brought to you by robotic process automation pioneer, Blue Prism. Digital transformation has the potential to reshape the way companies service their customers, engage their employees, and manage their operations. Whether you're looking to develop strategies, tactics, and best practices to positively impact the future of work, or you're curious to learn how other companies have successfully navigated their digital transformation programs, then this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Transform Now podcast. I'm your host, Michael Marchuk, and today we have our special guest, Dominic Williamson, who has the commercial operations and strategy innovation team for Citizens Bank. So, Dominic, can you tell us a little more about yourself and your various roles at Citizens Bank? So, yeah, I work for Citizens Bank. I work in a commercial banking unit. Citizens split into a retail bank and a commercial bank. I support commercial operations, running a, a host of sort of central utilities. Things like automation, of course, but couple that with a strategy and innovation team, a continuous improvement team, and a change management team, as, as well as some other functions. And really the, the constituent parts of that stuff coming together is really where we've driven a lot of benefit and a lot of efficiency in our operations after the, over the last uh, few years, really. So Dominic, I know you've been building your automation program for years now, but do you have some examples of some early processes that your team built out to demonstrate the value of automation? So this is the, uh, this is the sort of use case of an early one, really, where we started looking at this onboarding process a few years ago, where you had an end-to-end lifecycle of onboarding a commercial customer onto cash management products. Quite often we have, you know, large complex commercial customers that, that need uh, a host of different uh, products and, and various combinations of, of products, depending on the customer. And then this sort of starts with a client and the prospecting side of things, working with our sales and RM relationship management group. And at eventually when those, those client business become wins, that's when we get involved with implementing those clients onto the products of the bank. And there's a number of different systems involved in gathering the customer information and keying them between various different systems that often involve a lot of email, a lot of phone conversations, a lot of back and forth, a lot of handoffs, believe it or not. And then the culmination of that process is really where we have operators that will then key all of that information into various systems for all the different products that a client is being onboarded to. And that process on average, not including the prospecting and sales part, but just from when the client agrees to, to join the bank and, and we onboard them from that point to getting them set up and ready to bank and, and transact and where the bank starts really, you know, earning revenue, 59 days was the average onboarding time. Wow. That seems like a long time before our customers could get on board. What did you end up doing? So we stripped that process right down to three to 10 days, which, you know, is an unbelievable bigger when you think about it from 59 days on average, we, we can do it as quickly as three days now, depending on the exact set of uh, products that are in the mix for what we're onboarding. One of the points here is how you ingest the information up front in the process through an intelligent workflow. We now ingest the information directly and that then flows down from the sales and relationship management into operations. We can then extract that data using to digitize and automate that process and turn that 59 days into three to 10 days. And what this also gives us, which we're definitely lacking in the, the process was visibility, dealing with emails, dealing with manually keying information to various systems. 
it's very hard to get visibility into status of where work is at any given time, who's doing it. And then of course you've got manual errors and, and all of those things that come with manual uh, processing. So that, that's just one example of more than a hundred that we have of where we've really transformed for the client and for the bank. I think we call it speed to spend where you want the client onboarded so they can start transacting. So we ultimately start earning revenue and, and there's a real revenue lift to when you slice something down from 59 days down to three days and get them transacting and, and spending more quickly. So Dominic, what was the catalyst to look at this particular process? Was this something that had been reviewed strategically or was this frontline employees or people in your commercial loan group that brought this forward? Yeah, it was a few years ago. So I'm trying to cast my mind back to the prioritization that, that we used back then, but it, it was one of the low hanging fruit ideas that we had. We knew that the time it was taking just didn't seem right. We knew that taking information from one system upstream in Salesforce and manually rekeying all of that information somewhere else just didn't feel right. And there was a, a direct revenue implication to that. So it had all the ingredients, the risk of manual keying, the inefficiency, keying things multiple times in different systems. There's many more systems that we had to key into. There's, there's probably a dozen different systems that we're keying into if a customer is being onboarded to more products. So it was one of those ones where, yes, that's when we've got lots of manual keying and, and putting things into different systems. We should definitely look at that. And there's a direct and very obvious client, you know, benefit as well. It's very visible. So that, that was one of our early use cases with robotics. So it doesn't quite touch on more of a nuance of how you prioritize and think about how you tackle automation opportunities like we do now. Which I can talk, which I can talk to a bit as well, but that one was, yeah, we really want to get at that. And at the same time as we had this automation technology suddenly at our fingertips, it was around the same time we were looking at the, the workflow solution. So the two things combined together to say, yes, if we bring these two things together, it's a really powerful outcome that we're going to get um, from those technologies. So I'm just curious, this process went from roughly 59 days to let's say five or six days on average. That's a, a 10 times improvement. Did your team actually think they could achieve this? I mean, it's phenomenal, but did you actually aim for that or is this how it, just how it turned out? So it was iterative. So we had a plan that was going to get us to 28 days, which we achieved quite quickly. So just through some automation, we were able to bring it down and then it was really bringing in the workflow over the top of it and combining the two that then took us to the next level. So it was probably a couple, I think a couple of years to get there. And, and so we set the goal, let's bring this down. I don't know how we came up with it. We set this 28 day goal, let's see, cut it in half. And then once we got there and we kept going and kept automating and, and kept streamlining. Again, there's a lot that has had to happen upstream from us, which is where business partners and looking into and bringing people in and working together and collaborating on the solution, it required those people upstream from operations, which is where we are, to change their behaviors, change how they're doing things. They were putting things into spreadsheets and documents and sending them to us and we were extracting them. When we put the intelligent workflow in, they're keying directly into the workflow itself and we're grabbing those data points yep. you know, and pushing them downstream and automating it. Yeah, it was definitely an, an iterative process. 
I'm really encouraged that you're touching upon the philosophy that I think that many companies don't follow through with this notion of continuous improvement, setting an ambitious goal of improving the process by cutting the time in half seems great, but your team didn't stop there. You actually continue to review and improve over time to get that process down to your current state, which is one-tenth of what it took originally. So I'm really encouraged that your team didn't stop there. It just kept going. And now that you've got it down to three to 10 days, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. In general terms, we found what you can't do is set it and forget it, you know, or automate it and, and forget about it. It doesn't one, the world around us is always changing. So no matter what you do, you need to be keeping an eye on, on what's happening and, and looking at the automations again, to support versus kind of build and develop and, and put into production. And, and there's, there's definitely a balance that comes with that as you mature robotic process automation function you have. And yeah, we spend probably 30% of our time looking at existing automations and existing processes that we have automated and iterating, improving, changing, looking at it from a process as well as an automation angle and, and keeping an eye on those things. Again, sometimes you're forced into it because we have lots of system changes, a lot of things that happen in the outside world that forces us to change things. So yeah, it, it really does require an ongoing iterative mindset. Agile is another kind of concept again, I can touch on where we're kind of have moved to the agile environment of how we now automate things. And the keys to me at that time, when we kicked off was we wanted to put the power of automation in the hands of the business, not technology. A lot of this is just the power of robotic process automation almost on its own. So that was one of the key principles that, that really I had when we started this journey of automation. So we have a federated model at citizens where we have our own automation team. I have a team of now 10 developers, as it says there, supporting and developing automation. We started pretty small. I think at, at the time when we kicked off, we had three developers that were guys that, and girls that used databases. So there were people that were developing in, in Visual Basic. They understood process, they understood our operations, and they had a mindset that, that could understand how you break down a, a process and automate it. So that, that was another key principle of what we were trying to do, which was build the capability in-house, building the capability so that we could learn and then grow our own in-house automation group. So your team is helping the business really grow the amount of work that Citizens Bank has automated. Can you touch on that? And if there's been anything that's really got the company excited? Currently 150 automation, 7 billion keystrokes, but PPP, that was really where we saw how you could unleash the power of, of robotic process automation. When you have a situation where you need to build something really quickly and automate, ideally we, we like you know, technology integrations, but they can be expensive and they can take a long time, but sometimes they're the right long-term solution. But in this case where we were all at home, suddenly having to build a brand new process to do, I think it was like 10 years of SBA of, of our SBA loan volume. We needed to process in space of a couple of months and through automation, we were able to automate a process where we were creating the loan documents and sending them to clients via email to e-sign. And we were able to scale up to 3000 documents an hour with, with that process, just to put it into context with automation alone, I think we were about one-tenth of that. I think with bots, depending on how many bots you 
dedicate to it, you can scale up. But I think we, we were able to, to get to about 300 documents an hour. But when you coupled it with automation, populate the document through, through an API and then send it out, we were doing, we were able to do 3000 an hour. Luckily we didn't have to do 3000 every hour, but yeah, that was the power that we realized when we combined these technologies together. That's truly impressive. So it sounds like building automations across multiple technologies really provided some serious power to get a lot of work done. Can you share what you're working on now? I can skip on to what we're currently doing, just to give you a flavor again of, of bringing different technologies together. So um, we're currently running a digital enablement program, three, three kind of work streams. And all of these work streams involve some form of automation and robotic process automation, but we've carved up our plan into to three, three pillars there. You've got self-serve and interactions. So we're looking at where we touch the clients and operations. So we have a lot of customer servicing that happens primarily over the phone and with emails. And we're looking at a host of technologies to be able to automate and augment those interactions and create additional channels for those clients to interact with us. A lot of this would seem quite obvious in the retail space, certainly for banking, but in the commercial space, the complexity of the types of products and services that we offer the commercial clients, most banks, I would say, certainly in the US on the commercial banking side have not done a lot of these self-serving automation type activities. So, well, but we're bringing that in and looking at client portals and chatbots and, and really smart technology that can offer clients options. First and foremost, we're always there to talk to them and to support and advise, but more and more, we're looking at ways of augmenting that with other types of technology. And that's, that's really where that channel comes in. Another thing is, is digital onboarding and KYC. So I, I touched on the onboarding, uh, use case earlier, where we're going next with that is really digitizing the upfront beginning of that process where you have the client providing us with data or us being able to provide the data on behalf of the client and giving the client a digital view to onboarding so they can see online what the status is with how we're onboarding and have real-time view of where we are in getting them on board and ready to transact with us. And KYC, as, as many of you may know, your client being able to harness the data and streamline on a single platform to the, the KYC elements is a really key part of what we're looking at. And end-to-end -end data and workflow, as it might sound, it's really looking under the covers of all of our data, bringing the key data elements together into a single source, um, which we call data lake and, and then coupling that with workflow and automation to, again, we can self-serve the data that we need and we're not asking clients for data. And then we have digitized data that flows end to end across all of our uh, processes. And in the end that, that delivers huge client experience benefits as well as operational efficiencies for us on a on an annual wage bill of 50, $50 million or so, we're looking at an $11 million efficiency play. So 20 plus percent efficiency over three years, which is again, quite a powerful ROI. So one thing, Dominic, I specifically like about your program is that you've not only started with intelligent automation, but now you're making an impact in all three areas, the front office, middle office, and of course the back office. What's the secret to getting all the people engaged to build these end-to-end -end processes across the organization? 
Yeah, I don't know if anything's easy in the end. As soon as as soon as you go end to end and more people are involved and you don't control everything, it becomes challenging. But it it's to move to that next level has to be done. You know, however you do it, you have to have, find a way of looking end to end, really bringing in business partners. If you don't solve for the upfront ingestion of information and data, you'll never really get to that next level is what I found. So yeah, if I had a, a secret, I'd share it, but it's tough. Again, when you, for me being in what people classify as the back office, dealing with front office people that aren't as process-minded and technologically-minded as people in operations, it does take a fair amount of effort to bring them into the loop and really help them understand the bigger picture of what we're trying to deliver. You need sponsorship at the right levels with the right people. And if you get that, and then engage, you know, you know, the right people on the ground, and then you're in a good space to do something. I'd say also, I think I mentioned it, but the maturity we found and, and we tried to get there quickly was really looking at things, the strategic versus tactical. There's always going to be, especially when you start as a low hanging fruit of why I, I showed you the use case, it was obvious. It was like, we must just to make this, because you also have to keep a strategic mindset, what else is your business trying to do and where can you put automation in that's, that's going to help you on the bigger picture. So one of the things we did was we eliminated our offshore processing. So we had 50 or so FTE in an offshore unit in India. And again, we realized that the nature of how we offshored in the first place was to take some of the simpler data input type work and offshore it. And so there were lots of other things we could be doing, but we made a strategic decision. Let's divert a lot of our resource that we had to develop RPA and point it in that direction and eliminate our offshore. So now and it took 18 months or so, but yeah, we, we now have no offshore um, work and we could offshore more complex stuff, but there's really nothing simple left to offshore anymore. And there were other, even that use case that was so obvious, it was quite, it was strategic as well, because we were developing that workflow solution and it made sense to couple the RPA automation with that workflow and deliver that end-to-end -end solution. So it's doing a bit of both. Sometimes it's just picking the low hanging fruit off the tree and, and getting to those simple quick hit automations. Sometimes it's diverting to do some of the strategic bigger pieces of work that are important. Dominic, so I'm curious, from a customer perspective, did any of your commercial customers notice the change? And if so, what was their feedback? Yeah, we've definitely had positive feedback from clients that we've onboarded quickly. The challenge is a lot of that onboarding is new clients that haven't done it before. So other than their experience with another bank, it wouldn't be as obvious a change to a client. If we onboard, if it's an existing client and it's a new product, Again, they've not been on with that product before, so it, it might not be obvious. On the whole, I'd say, and, and this is automation coupled with some other things that we're doing with, with how we keep our customers happy, but we have a 95% very satisfied OSAC client score for, com for commercial customers and a 65 NPS, if you believe in NPS, they can go up and down as a bit of a sensitive number, but. Over the course of a rolling, you know, six to 12 months, we consistently around a, a 65 on NPS, which is pretty much the best in class for, for any kind of thing you're trying to measure with clients that saying that they're going to recommend what you're doing to other people. But from what we hear, we have client advisory panels and so on and so forth. And, but the, the general feedback from what they're telling us is that 
know, ahead of the game in the commercial banking market for onboarding and cycle times. We feel pretty good about it. How do you measure the customer branding that you're now getting in the space that you play? It's, it's hard to put a dollar cost on it or a dollar value, but you're clearly seen as a leader in the Northeast. Yeah, and it is very difficult because, again, we've got a lot of different moving parts. We're obviously automating, but we're doing, you know, 50 other things at the same time. I guess the ultimate proof is in, you know, the growth of the bank that, that we've seen. I mean, you have to put an asterisk next to the last 18 months or so. It's, it's a, been a pretty weird time. But, you know, if you, if you look at the last five, let's say five years, there's been a consistent growth and an increase in citizens commercial as well as a retail, but just in general, we've been winning business and taking market share. I think that's the ultimate proof. When we look at it from an operational perspective, obviously you want to look at dollars and you want to look at efficiency. What we've tried to do is not decouple it, but not be too prescriptive with tying every dollar and every FTE back to every automation. I believe in, in if the, some of the parts is more powerful than the individuals, we set some high level targets and then we just said, let's prioritize and let's just go do and benefits will fall out. They'll speak for themselves. And again, it's a combination of strategic plays, customer plays, sometimes pure efficiency plays. If you do those things, the benefits fall out from all of them. And if you set yourself some reasonable top of the house targets, you're going to, you're going to hit it. So that that's what we've tried to do, not get too caught up in the cottage industry of trying to tie every dollar back to every automation. So I think it's very interesting to see your approach to running your organization. ROI can be very difficult to determine up front, especially because of all the moving parts in any process. Your team has shown that you're able to not only deliver hard returns on the investments you're making, but also improve the image of your bank in the eyes of your customers. And that's not easy to do. Yeah. And I think the other thing I'd say is it may not work for everybody. We've not had to lay off a single person. Over the five or six years we've been doing automation, just through attrition, we've been able to use that uh, as the way to down, downsize some of our operations. So again, you need a little bit of scale. We're not a huge scale shop. Our commercial operations, we're down now to about 600 people. And it doesn't tie back exactly to automation, but we probably have 200 to 250 FTE worth of automations in production right now. We definitely come down at least a hundred FTE over, over the last few years. And all of that's been managed through attrition. And, and what we found is when we've gone out there and talked to, talk to our operations when we've, you know, had to go out and, and look for ideas and opportunities, overwhelmingly people want to get rid of the mundane peeing in their lives. People have, there's been some of it, but to a larger extent, there's been more demand for automation from the people on the floor doing the work. And there is fear of, oh, I'm going to lose my job because certainly in commercial banking, we don't really have jobs and we didn't have jobs that were just people peeing all day. We had people that had jobs that had some complexity and it had some non-complex keying and people realized that uh, with obviously with some messaging that if we could take out that Monday in keying, then they can focus on the more interesting exception type work. And that was our vision. And that's where we're getting to is, you know, more and more, that's what our people are doing. They're exception managers. They're working on the complex stuff that automation can't solve. Thanks for tuning in to Transform Now, 
For more insightful discussions on digital transformation and more, check out our podcast channel where you'll find all of our previous episodes. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review. For more information about digital transformation and the future of work, check out blueprism.com to learn how Blueprism's digital workforce is enabling enterprise transformation now. Thank you.